Yeah, yeah. LMO, what it do, baby? Stop me. Mm. Okay. Alright, um, thanks Young Roger for being here, could you introduce yourself? Thank you for having me man, Dion, uh, I'm Young Raja, creative artist from Singapore, um, I make raps, <laughs> I write raps, um, I'm a rapper, yeah, having fun with what I do. Among a lot of other things. Yes, <laughs> trying to have as much fun as I possibly can with, with whatever I can get my hands on. Um, you know, similar, like you, you, you're a creative, you live a creative life, right? It's like, it doesn't really take a form, you know? Yeah. After right? a while, it's quite hard to like label yourself right. as anything other than a creative. Yeah. And I think that's exactly where I'm at right now. I didn't really see this mapping out this way like a couple of years ago, but it's a very nice time right now, man. Like blessed times. Things are opening up. Um, I mean, not just post-COVID vibes, but like things are opening up it, it, within my mind also like, you know, I'm I'm keeping my ears and eyes open to newer things. And I mean, yeah, I'm going off on a tangent, but it's a, it's, it's a nice time to be a creative. Yeah. What, what got you on your journey as a rapper, as a creative? I think I've always been a creative guy, man. Like ever since I was a child, like being creative has never been a thing that I have to try creativity was at front and center. When I was seven years old, I won a drawing competition, a national drawing competition. And I was on the, on the front page of the, the Chinese newspaper. Yeah, uh -huh. it was pretty cool. Um, and, but I never thought like, oh, maybe I should become an artist that draws on canvas. And it was just being creative, you know? So like same for music. I wouldn't, would have never thought that one day I'll be a rapper, I'll be making, songs i'll be signed to a label like this would be my life but uh yeah i would say that i i think i've lived a pretty creative uh life i mean compared to my my family members and people in my community like um it's not many not many guys not many guys that are that are doing music or or creatives like this you know and it's not supported as well i mean on a singapore level you understand how it is but on a smaller level like i'm talking about my community my people level like my family my extended family they don't they don't roll with this at all you know like they just it's just not what they do even now no yeah, even now like create being a creative or like the whole idea of you living a life of passion like it just doesn't exist like you either do business family business the go-to's you know like there's a couple textile business money change forex you know all that kind of stuff yeah it's it's nice, man. It feels empowering, feels fulfilling because you know that, like I know, this is um, is this is gonna change a lot of things, um, for my people, for my family, like for my nephews and nieces. Like I have a whole bunch of nephews and nieces that that are inspired by me, <laughs> and I take great great pride in that, and I try to channel that energy into, you know, being a creative. You know, before music, I used to be an actor, a freelance actor for about eight years. And I started off when I was 13 years old. So, you know, you, can you imagine like you're going to school and then after school, you're going for auditions and you're coming home late and you're doing overnight shoots. And then after your shoot finished, you go straight to your exam in the school hall and stuff like that. You know, I don't know if other Indian parents would be cool with their kids doing shit like that, you know? 
Well, my parents were totally, totally cool with it. I, I talk about this all the time, but the reason why I talk about it all the time is because it, it is front and center in my life. And, and, I, and I share it as, as much as I can and as many times as I can is the fact that I'm so fortunate, bro. I'm so blessed to be in a family that is so supportive, to have family members that so encouraging, so like, um, yeah, so supportive, man, you know? So I, I do my best to never take that for granted and always make sure that they are, uh, I'm being reciprocating with, with the love and the energy that I give back to my family because if they didn't give this kind of framework for me, uh, there's no way, bro. Like I have so many friends that are talented, passionate individuals, you know, they, they, they have so many dreams, but circumstances don't allow them to, to uh, pursue whatever it is that they want to do, even in Singapore. I've always wanted to be an artist, a, a full-time artist, like to, to do this, to have a life that is built off passion, you know, w whatever the medium is, right? Like medium comes secondary, but primarily it is a life that you have built and it's built entirely on top of passion and your passion being the foundation, you know? Yeah. I think I share the same sentiment. Mm -hmm. Like I think me being able to do what I do is also because of like, you know, your family has been yeah. there for you. I think I think what really changed my parents' perception was when I think TYC appeared in the Straits Times mm -hmm. one day. Like we were on like one of the huge like feature pages. And then they were like, oh, like okay, like, yeah. <laughs> like okay, this is this is possible. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> I for think sure. it's like that that old school mentality of like you, you need to be recognized by like yeah. someone they read they Yes. And yes. then they're like, okay, okay, fine. Like <laughs> but it took a while for, um for us as well. I um, bet, man. Like, yeah. how, how's it been for you? Like, you know, being a creative in Singapore and then the fact that you guys have been steadily building from a time when this wasn't prevalent. Like, you didn't really see uh, creative studios like the one that you have. Like, it didn't exist, right? When yeah. you, Around the time when you guys started, you guys were probably the, were you guys the first? First creative? The first studio, I think, that really um, changed the game or like really came up Right. Um, locally was like Funk Studio. Funk Studio. Yeah, but that was like 10 years ago. Oh, okay. So I find that really hard to believe because um, I just tell people like, so within these 10 years, like no one did anything, <laughs> right? Yeah, bro. Yeah, so I mean, so when we first came out, a lot of people likened us to like, mm. oh, these are the like fresh kids on the block. These are like, mm. the new Funk Studio. But wow. I think since then we, yeah, I guess we, we changed the game. I mean, we're turning, we turned eight this year. Wow. Beautiful. Eight years. Eight of, years. Yeah, of running a studio. All right. So let's go on the second question. So what got you into hip hop? I think I stumbled upon it. I don't think it was intentional. Like, oh, like, oh, what is that? I'm going to listen to hip hop. One day, put on my sister's Walkman, press play, Eminem played. I had no idea um, about any English uh, music. I had no clue at that time. I think I was like 10, maybe nine, 10 years old. Um, till that point of my life, the only kind of music that I had been exposed to was uh, Tamil songs, South Indian, Hollywood film music, right? So it's like A.R. Rahman, Ile Rajas, very Tamil classics, right? First time I heard hip hop, it was so jarring and so um, different. It left such a stark like impression in, in, in my mind, you know? And I could never stop thinking about it. Like I would, keep listening to that one song which was uh will the real slim shady please stand up and the whole it was like a 2000s hit like collection cd uh, and i kept listening to that 
So it was that one incident that exposed me to hip hop. And I didn't plan for anything, you know what I mean? Like it was, it was accidental and I was so impressed by it. All I could think of is, is there more? Like, you know, and there was, there was a time when my dad got me an iPod. He got me an iPod touch. And at that time, there was iTunes, right? So you could go to iTunes, the app, you click any genre that you like. And hip hop genre was there as a category. I clicked it and I saw all of the hottest rappers of 2008 or 2009 or some shit like that. And you know, you can get 30 second snippets of any song that you want to hear. And I used to just play all the songs. I remember one of the songs that I played was a Millie. It was like the hottest song, like the biggest song in the world or some shit. And, um, Kanye might've just dropped flashing lights in a graduation album. So I would listen to all these songs and just like got deeper and deeper into it. Um, my brother-in-law gave me an Amazon gift card when I was 12 and I bought five rap albums on Amazon. Um, Snoop Dogg, the blue carpet treatment, soldier boys album, Akon's album. Um, a couple other rap albums and I would just listen to them. And as I grew older, I started to dig deeper. The depth started to kick in a little bit. I started to research on 90s hip hop and started to get deeper and deeper into the culture. And yeah, man, that, that's literally how it started and how it evolved over time. Um, even till now, like I've, I'm now at 26 years old, I'm trying to open my ears to other genres, other artists. I realized all these years I've not been listening to anything non hip hop, bro. And it wasn't, wasn't like, oh, I'm only going to listen to, you know, it was just something that spoke so deeply. I mean, I don't know if it spoke deeply. I don't know what is the right way to put it. It just resonated with my soul. You know, like there was something about 808s, something about the drums that you hear in hip hop music. Yeah, I remember. I remember the, uh, the, the thing that made me feel like, like viscerally feel like a like a physical feeling right was the 808s the first time I heard Dung, it was a milli first time I heard a milli when the drums kicked in I felt something and I've never been moved by music bro you know, you're, you're a kid like what the fuck do you know about m music you know what I mean like and I wasn't that like exposed uh, I, was pretty, I was pretty sheltered as a child you know changed everything I fell in love with it, but I didn't know it then. I didn't know that, oh yeah, I'm, I'm in love with it. It was everything that I consumed, hip hop, you know? And I'm so grateful that I fucking took my sister's Walkman to school that day because I don't know if, if it wasn't for that, I don't know how the connection could have happened, you know? Because I come from a very traditional South Indian household, bro. Very traditional. You don't hear anything English in my house. You know, it's just Tamil nonstop. My dad's listening to radio. That's only 96.8. My mom's watching TV. That's Sun TV watching Tamil movies or Tamil TV shows. Everybody talks in Tamil. My mom wears sari. Still tra traditions are kept to, to the max because we're immigrants, right? Like they moved from South India. So nothing changed when they moved to Singapore. They didn't try to become Singaporean or adapt to Singapore like culture. Nothing. It was just full on. South Indian. So growing up in a household like that, you don't get much external cultures, bro, because the cult Indian culture is so rich. And if, if you are in a household that is that rich, 
tough for you to kind of contextualize other cultures you know very very difficult yeah so i'm very fortunate man that kind of for me to stumble upon hip hop and for me for it to become this big of a part in my life <laughs> wouldn't want it to be any other way you know because this is if if i can say if i can pick one thing that i feel like i, I cannot put words to what it what what the relationship is when it comes to me and that thing is hip hop i can't put words to it One of the many things I find fascinating about Young Raja's tracks was the fact that he raps in both Tamil and English, or a term that I just learned about during this recording, Tanglish. In this portion of the recording, I asked Young Raja what pushed him from being a consumer of hip hop music to actually starting to vocalize his raps, as well as his inspiration for rapping in Tanglish. It's so crazy now thinking about it because when I was doing it, I didn't do it for any reason. Like it, there was no agenda, right? All I was trying to do was be able to rap some of my favorite songs. That's it. Rap along, you know. And it was mostly Eminem songs. Um yeah, those days it was Eminem songs, right? Just try to be able because I personally found it fucking cool like the fact that they can rap that fast or like the fact that they can rap. And I wanted to just be able to rap and I would try to memorize their lyrics or Google the lyrics. and I'll read it word for word as the song is playing and I was just playing like not afraid by Eminem like 10 times 20 times and just read the lyrics as as the flow is unfolding right like that was something that I used to do a lot and then that practice evolved to me being able to rap uh by heart like I can just rap and then i would be in school and i'll be rapping to my friends during recess or some shit they'd be like oh my god what the fuck bro hey, rap rap bro rapping and rapping and then they they would they treated it like it was some kind of a party trick so I, we would do it to impress girls we would do it to our teachers like my friends would ask me to rap to other people in school but of course you don't you don't think much about it it's just like oh, whatever all right then that evolved to When I was in Polly, my dad got me uh my first MacBook because you needed a MacBook uh to to be in mass comm in Nian Polly, right? And the MacBook came with GarageBand. So I was now trying to see like, oh shit, like let me let me play around with this. I don't know how the dots connected, but I downloaded instrumentals and just tried to record myself rapping with the the earpiece, you know, the microphone. Just try record ah uh, Then I listen and I'm like okay so I'm a bit wack okay delete try again. So I was fucking like producing myself at 17 <laughs> without any agenda as well just wanted to hear myself. And then that got pretty nice like I I got the groove of recording myself. I got the groove of bouncing out the records and I started to upload them on SoundCloud on a private uh, account and I would send the links to all my friends. Yeah, so <laughs> Yeah man that was uh, that was a lot of fun that was a lot of fun So why Tanglish Um the reason is it is the most accurate version of me it's the most accurate representation of me If I were to rap fully in Tamil that's not me I don't speak Tamil 100% of the time 
if I rap fully in English. I mean, I could do both, right? Um, I was that, that was a time when I was trying out rapping, like for real, for real. Shortly after Faris telling me, "Hey, man, let's do this," right? I was writing these uh, lyrics fully in English. Some verses were fully in English. Some verses were fully in Tamil, but it never felt right. Never felt like it was my words. Just trying to see if I can even pursue this for real or not, you know. And one of the producers that I worked with was Lineth, and he's he's Indian. He speaks Tamil. Um, he was the guy that said to me, "Hey, man, listen. I think you should rap in Tamil and English." And when he said that, I hadn't I had not thought of mixing Tamil with English, to be honest, because it just didn't pop in my head, like you know. There was no blueprint for Tanglish raps. <laughs> This is out for you to be inspired by. You know what I mean? So when he said that, and I tr started trying, like writing raps in Tamil English, it came at a level of ease that I had not, um, not expected. And then let me to realize that, chibai, as Singaporeans, we grow up, bro. First language English, second language your mother tongue. How many countries in the world have that? Kind of a dynamic where you have two languages and both must be fucking dope. You know what I mean? For you to be a citizen in that country, it's a beautiful thing, bro. Like the duality that lives in Singaporeans, you know, and the fact that first language is English is like wow, it's so dope. I love that about Singapore. And that being a Singaporean, growing up in Singapore, laid the foundation for me to be well versed in both Tamil and English. So for me, when I started thinking, because I sometimes do think in Tamil, sometimes I think in English. When I started putting down ideas in Tamil and English, which is now called Tanglish, I felt a level of fluidity that I had not ever experienced before, and it was like it felt like the truth, ah, bro. If I'm gonna do rap music, if I'm gonna put myself out there as a rapper, I'm I'm a Tanglish rapper because that's who I am. I'm a Tanglish boy. I'm an Indian boy, yeah, but I speak English pretty good. Half of, half of the time, at least, right? That's why it's Tanglish. One of Young Raja's closest friends is a fellow rapper slash artist called Faris Jaba. He talked about Faris a lot during our conversation, crediting Faris as a person who made Young Raja possible. I asked Young Raja about their relationship. And how Faris has played a pivotal role in his journey so far, because you know you have friends, you have a lot of friends. You know, growing up, you meet a lot of people. You um, you get shaped by all the people that go in and out of your life, right? But very few people have the kind of impact that that changes your your life forever. And whether they do it intentionally. Or subconsciously, or whatever, or just happens accidentally. I don't know, but I'm pretty sure we can all agree that we only meet a handful of people like that in our whole lifetime. You know, that change the course of everything. So Faris was one of them. Like this, Faris is my best friend, and I don't think I'll ever meet another person, another friend like like Faris, because he changed my life, and he knows that. I make it clear to him. Not only, not only was he a, a best friend, he 
he was at the right place at the right time and he knew the right words that triggered something in me that led to something that I've that I would have never been able to conceptualize or see for myself you know and there was nobody else in that in that position there was nobody else that could have said that not a family member not a not any any other friend that I had that I knew longer than far as no like it had to be him and it was him he said certain things to me you know when i was a struggling actor still trying to bring the dream to life or whatever it was 8 years into the into that journey already and he just pulled me to the side and said bro just no la bro stop ah it's not you you're talented like you have you have it within you i know how much you want this but i don't think this will work out here in singapore is being very honest with me say bro i don't think it will work out then he could have stopped there you see he could have just said okay bro it won't work out do something else right a parent would do that a, a sibling would do that he didn't stop there he said why don't you rap why don't you rap why don't you rap with me like why don't we both rap together i've heard your raps and it's fucking dope and i think i think it's doper than your acting and you should really fucking like give it a shot you know bro my whole life was changed in a, in a, in a in a second you know because it it broke my my world view and here i was thinking that rapping is just like one of those things like oh whatever i didn't think much about it it's like i didn't even think of it as a hobby like it's just party trick yeah i i can rap you know he changed my perspective so crazily bro it was such a enormous change of perspective that led to me realizing my dreams that led to me and, and my dreams being for me to be able to provide for my family for me to be able to live a life built on passion for me to be able to have fun with what i do um to take care of my people all of that right to be a full-time artist to be a full-time creative faris faris uh allowed me to live that you know so that's why I'll die for him like it's no doubt bro that's why i feel like it is so fucking important for all of us to sit down and talk about the moments that we don't want to take for granted you know i talk about my career i talk about the life that i have often with my friends on social media because the energy that i'm trying to put out is the fact that these are the things is the fact that i'm trying to remind myself and remind others around me that there are things in our lives that we should never ever take lightly we talk about these moments we acknowledge these moments socially with other people the ones that don't align that they, they don't get the intention can fuck off because then this is not for you but the ones that can get the the ones that feel the intention their lives will be changed forever bro will be affected forever what are three lessons you have learned on your journey so far the importance of family in a sense of like your relationship with them um the time and energy that you invest in your family and what that means 
in relation to everything else in your life. Simply put, the importance of family. That is that I would say is a lesson, because you know, growing up, you don't really think about family. You know, you, you're thinking of things evolve, right? Like it grows. For me, I would say, like I, I would have never um, had this connection to my family if it wasn't for the things that I went through. You know, in my career, it took me away from my family. It took me away from the things that matter the most. You know, and I'm so grateful that it didn't get to a point where I can't turn back. I was still relatively close by, but there were so many moments in time where. I was uh, reminded of what's most important. It's my ultimate why. Like, why would I want to be successful in whatever it is that I do? Right? It's for my family. Right? Like, I'm I'm an immigrant son, so it's it's different, man. Like, first gen Singaporean. It's a different mindset. Everybody's my family moved to Singapore for a better life. They had me. They are getting to understand. What it is? What is it like to be born and raised as a Singaporean? They're getting to see that through me. They're living vicariously through me, and I'm the only son. So there's all these things that I'm dreaming of. And if you were to go to the root of all of the things that I have ever set foot towards, family. Time and time again, I get reminded, and it's my biggest anchor. And uh. I will champion this message till I die for sure. Second thing I would say, I mean, no, in no particular order, but second thing I would talk about is um, the importance of persistence. Persistence. Why I say persistence is because you can be hardworking, bro. You can be so hardworking. You can just keep grinding, right? But there will come. There, will, I've I've had certain times where even being the hardest worker in the room. Being the hardest working guy in your whole clique, even that gets to a point where, when you hit that block and you start getting all these doubts and all these insecurities start seeping into your mind, into your being, imposter syndrome and all these fucking mind games start happening. Right, your vision that you have, that only you can see at times, that one vision that I'm the 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 kind of vision where. The kind of vision that you spend years working towards and believing in, when nobody else can see it or believe it, you know that kind of a vision. When you have that kind of a vision and you just fucking persistent and you just want to get there, fuck everything else. I don't care how I feel. I don't care how insecure I feel. I don't care how big the imposter syndrome is. I've fought with imposter syndrome, bro. Like I mean, just like with, just like any other creative, I've learned how to twist, twist the meaning on imposter syndrome. Now it's like when I feel that way, it is a signal that I can do better. It's a signal that I can improve. And persistence is like one of the core values that helps me cut through all the fucking noise and fat and everything, everything that doesn't matter, bro. Because you know why you do what you do. You do it because you love it. Period. You know, there'll be times when people make you feel like shit, or something happens that makes you feel like you're not enough, or you can be better. Or, bro, who's gonna pull you out of that if it's not you? Right? Yeah. 
persistence, man. Like there's been ha- there's been so many things that so many things that could have stopped me. You know, these last couple of years, so many things happened that they could have been the end. But I think my boys and I w- weren't willing to stop being persistent. You know, just keep at it. Another lesson. Yeah, another lesson. Okay, this is important, bro. This was something that a lot of my peers struggled with, but I'm a pretty extroverted person, so like it came pretty natural to me. This was knowing how to take care of relationships, knowing how to take care of relationships. It's a fucking lesson, bro. Let me tell you that, because you work with people, you need people's expertise. You know, we are we are all like kampong fellas, bro. You know what I mean? Like we, it's a skill. To know how to take care of relationships, it's not being transactional. Oh, you do this for me, I do that for you. Like fuck that. I mean, that anybody can do. I'm talking about really caring for your relationships. You know, nurturing relationships, the ability to constantly be able to water that plant. You know, it goes both ways, right? But school doesn't teach that. You know, people don't talk about that much. I've had a I've I would say this is a lesson because you know we we get so caught up in our in our minds man bro we all creatives we get caught up as fuck right you're thinking of what to do next you're thinking of where to take TYC to next that's all you're thinking about you may not think of you me whoever we may not be thinking of like the people that came and left along the way you know it's natural when you're a forward-thinking person, when you're constantly trying to be creative, constantly at it, you might miss certain things. It's totally human, totally normal, right? But if you don't do anything to rectify it, then it's a bridge that burns. You know what I mean? And I've I've had some some bridges that I had to for it to burn, then I had to fix it. You know what I mean? Like for me to realize the importance of these particular these few individuals that had to mend these relationships. It's a skill. And it it can be a lesson if you don't know how to do it well, and it's it's so important, bro. Regardless of what you do, people we need people. All right, um, I think we're done. Any last words? Wow, nobody has asked me like that before. <laughs> Any last words? <laughs> Any well, last shout outs you want to make? Man, I just want to say, as a creative here in Singapore, you know. Like the fact that we are having this conversation and the fact that you made this happen, I want to let you know that I'm very grateful to be here and to be a part of this. Um, this is important, and I'm so happy that this is happening. Uh, this is great for our scene. This is great for the whole creative scene here in Singapore. We need more of this, so thank you for championing this. Um, yeah, shout out to shout out to anybody that's listening this. If you're a creative here in Singapore. We know, <laughs> like we know how how it is. Um, we are all in this together. We are all we have. Each other, one one another. Like we need to work together. We all need to collaborate more to lift the scene together. You know, one step at a time. So, I feel like this conversation and this podcast is a part of that grand vision. So yeah, shout out to shout out to everybody that's at it. Shout out to everybody that is trying to create. Shout out to every creative. Yeah, man.
That's all.